0: both said, and Christine, uh, if you're here for the first time and you're, you're on a journey of faith or trying to find out what God's saying to you these days, then you're welcome. And if you've been with us almost every Sunday, apart from perhaps being away on your holidays ever since we began this journey nearly five years ago, then you're welcome. It's great to be together and God's been present tonight and still is, and he wants just to speak to us and touch us. And I believe already he's touched our hearts as we've been led in worship and prayer to the Lord. And as we were taking breaking of bread tonight, I was reminded that that has been replicated in many different, thousands and thousands of different ways across the earth today, different styles, uh, different ways of doing it. But there is something very precious uh, that is, in that sense, a tradition well worth preser- preserving of people coming together to remember uh, the death of Christ for us on the cross. And of course, as we were reminded, it always demonstrates. Uh, love, So we're going to uh, come to the word. We, we thank God for all that he's doing. Um, on uh, This week, I, I've been part of um, a conference called Inspire, where we pull together ministers in training in our network of uh, churches called Assemblies of God across the country. There's been about 130 plus at Mattersea, and the national leadership team uh, have taken that. And of course, Wednesday, which was the hottest day of the year, uh, uh, in the morning was my turn to... Uh, to, to sort of speak, uh, I'm glad I had a, 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 a several handkerchiefs in my bag as well because in the afternoon it was so hot. Somebody went and got Gary a towel. Handkerchiefs—he was absolutely roasted. It was 26.5 degrees in my car at 10:30 on Wednesday night. So, um, but it was a hot day, wasn't it? Not quite so hot tonight. But um, we're praying that uh, God will be good, and uh, and so just just pray for that. Um, As Kev says, there's so many things that bombard our mind and world that are bad, horribly bad. Some of the things that we've had to watch over the last few days, even shocking. And this week, of course, is the week of 10th anniversary of the 7-7 bombings in London. Horrible, terrible things. And one can only imagine tonight what families are going through in navigating loss. But we thank God tonight that our God is a God of love and and, uh, we want to be encouraged, friends, that all across the country there are young men and women rising up that want to speak the gospel, they want to lead church, they want to glorify God and God's purposes will be outworked in these days in Jesus' name. Just say also that Christians at uh, Nottingham Road Methodist Church in Ilkeston tonight and they've asked him to speak on the subject of the Holy Spirit. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on and, uh, uh, and we pray that God will bless him. Now... Tonight, I'm trying to uh, draw to a conclusion because this is our final message in uh, the series called "Thieves and Occupants. And so I'm going to try and just throw a number of things at you tonight that we'll just bring to a conclusion and finish this series, which we believe is very important well. Um, We've called it "Thieves and Occupants because we started off by mentioning a few things that we don't want in the church. And uh, we reminded ourselves that Tonight, if our house was under attack, uh, and we felt that somebody was going to burglar it or ransack it, we'd, make a, we'd take appropriate measures to try and avoid that. Sadly, that doesn't take place in churches at times. And religion, rejection, offense, and control, four things that continually came against Jesus in the Gospels, so we shouldn't be surprised, seek to come against the church, sometimes run rampant through churches. And nobody does anything about it. And then they wonder why the church isn't advancing and prevailing. We have to keep things at the door. So we talked about thieves and being on our guard. But we also talked about the occupants of the house. And uh, we're in the process of just revamping our uh, arena DNA booklet and to have a different front and different uh, uh, um, content inside. But speaking to the same themes, we talked about discipleship how that we want people not only to become Christians and know that they're saved and going to heaven, but to go deep and to become devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, Josh talked about aspiration and a great message from a young leader about moving into all that God has destined for our lives. We talked about team and unity and how they work together. And this is not ever about one person, but it's always about us. There's no I in team. And together, everyone achieves more. And I thank thank God for the team ethic that we have in Arena Church, and that we're always seeking to protect unity. The elders of the church are passionate about the unity of the church because we realize that it's so important. And yes, there are times when it will be contested for, but we want to encourage it. Uh, Christian and Andy talked about faith and uh, and, um, and passion. And just that longing after God. And then last week, we used uh, Matthew 18 to try and just fit together the thoughts of generosity and mercy. We placed it in a context of showing forgiveness. This morning, uh, I was uh, out ministering in Dudley. Oh, they talk with a funny accent there in the black country, I tell you. Look, lovely church, just in the process of transition. And I just had the Radio 4 service on. Uh, for a few minutes and normally it's a bit eyebrow and you know you get about 30 seconds in and you've popped over to something else but this morning it was from St. Martin's in the field and it was thinking about this week and uh, and the things that took place in London 10 years ago. A brilliant message from an American uh, lady speaker and one or two brilliant, brilliant songs but it was reminding us also as the as the uh, uh, lady spoke about the power of forgiveness and uh, seen it exemplified even recently in the terrible things that have happened in the states as well. And for us to seek to live with generosity and mercy with a forgiving heart, not easy. And I hope that we didn't sense that last week was being trite or flippant, but a wonderful truth. God's forgiven us. We express forgiveness to others. So we've been looking at all of these truths and we want to continually foster them. Of course, it's not an exhaustive list, but it speaks to the very heart of what we want church to be. We, we, we do church on purpose. Uh, we do it with purpose. And we want, to, by God's grace, to continue to plot the course that he's got for us. And all these things that we've talked about define what we would call culture. A few weeks ago at our arena staff meeting, which takes place on a Tuesday morning, and we've been using a, a series of teaching tapes in the last two or three months that have been very impactive. We had some uh, ministry from a, a, la- a, a lady from the Willow Creek Leadership Summit of last year. Uh, she is a Christ follower. Um, she's married. Um, and she has been the CA- CEO of a big uh, world corporate company. And she defi- her name was Carly Fiorina. And uh, she defined culture by this question. What's it like to be around here? What's it like to be around here? And of course, numbers of churches never ask that question, but it's one that we must continually ask. You see, cultures then work out in the way that we bring our lives to God. Remember that behavior statement that, uh, uh, that Josh and Christian have put up over the last few weeks? It reflects culture. And culture, how do we, how do we describe it? Well, it's an emphasis It's an ethos, it's an expression. You may remember a few weeks ago that um, FIFA, that's the world governing body for world football, hit a crisis and uh, journalists have opened up the fact that terrible corruption had been taking place and it ended up with the president, Sepp Blatter, resigning. I read this week that he's having a change of mind. Oh no! signed and and he's going to be working out and somebody said this they said you see the culture in fifa is all wrong somebody had allowed culture bad culture to run rampant and it came home to roost and when the fbi get involved and start arresting people you know that fifa we have a problem and uh, so it reflects something that had gone wrong and the power of culture is incredible there's a culture in your home There's a culture in your work organization. You may work for an organization like the NHS that's got thousands and thousands of workers. It may be that you're part of a little company of five or six employers. But guess what? it will have a culture. There's cultures within sports teams. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes when things go wrong, it ends up with a manager getting the sack. If you drive it back down, something's gone wrong somewhere. Perhaps in the dressing room, And it's reflected in a culture. And I have to say, friends, that there's definitely a culture in every local church. And I want to try and just reflect this for a moment, Lucy, if you could put up Matthew chapter 10, 5 to 16. Now, when I'm speaking, very often I I sort of don't read passages of Scripture, just to try and save a little bit of time. But tonight, I want to read these verses, and then I want to make a few comments about them with regard to culture. So let me set the scene. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls 12 people to come and follow them, disciples or sometimes called apostles. And he calls the 12 and their name there in verses two, three, and four. And then he says these words. He says, Jesus sent the 12 out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those that have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the workers, for the worker is worthy of his keep. Wow, what a step of faith. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the house, give it a greeting. If the home is deserving, let the peace rest on it. If it is not, then let the peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, then leave that home or town. Shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I don't want to overly stretch this because it's unlikely that Jesus used the specific word in this scripture. But again, without feeling that I'm taking it to a, a, a sort of an angle, It seems to me here, as I read those words again, that when Jesus launched out the disciples on their ministry, he established a culture, an ethos, an expression of ministry. Let me just note how that worked out. Number one, it was directive. He says, where to go? So he says, seek after the lost sheep of Israel. And then it was definitive. It was to carry a message of words and signs. Signs of healing and signs of deliverance. And then it was decisive. He says, go from village to village. And if you're welcome, great, leave a peace. But if not, move on and find another place to go to. And then it was demonstrable. Jesus says that what I've told you to do will be seen by the people. He set a culture to express ministry. So coming back to the question that Carly Fiorina asked, what's it like to be around here? As we bring to a conclusion what we don't want in the church and what we do, let's mention a few things with regard to Arena Church. As I've said already, note that every church, whatever its size, has got a culture. It can be bad, and it's bad by default. And often a bad culture can be influenced by heritage, ancestry, sin not dealt with, tradition. We've always done it this way. And nobody ever asked the question, why? And when somebody does, they find that the change is completely unbending because we've always done it this way. But of course, culture can not only be bad, it can be good. It's only good by design, never by default. And how do we step into good culture? Well, number one is the people of God realizing that God brings fresh seasons to a church. Isaiah forty three, eighteen to nineteen. Do not dwell on the former things. Forget the former things. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And over the history of a church, churches on occasion, not to about every week, but churches have to perceive seasons of God doing something new where we forget the former things that have served us well, and we move into the new of God. This seems to be very difficult for many churches. It's why, friends, that for every church that's planted in the earth, seventy percent of them never celebrate their centenary. Because they have an inability to sense the new seasons of God. And if we don't walk into the new seasons of God, our culture is defined by the old. And the old increasingly lacks a connection with what God wants to do in the new. And the end result is churches moving from life to death. We absorb the good by design through directive leaders. God's given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to the church. And he's given them for a reason, not for them to do all the work of the ministry, but to bring a governmental direction that helps everybody do the work of the ministry. If I can say it very carefully tonight and graciously, the problem with the culture of some churches is they're led by good people but not gift people. And church is not going to prevail today, friends, just by being led by somebody that's having a go, that can't think of anything else to do that's perhaps retired from the previous job and now having to go out leading it, it's not going to work. It's going to be led by gift people that bring a directive from God that takes the church forward. And of course, thirdly, it's down to a response from people. And you may remember at the beginning of the year when Christian talked about getting from here to there. He took us on a journey. We're still on that journey. We're moving from here to there. But we don't want to intransigently say, no, no, we're staying here. We're staying here forever. That's the call. We're staying here. We're moving forward. We're a traveling people. Christian said some time ago in one of the messages of this series that some churches have been overrun and ransacked by the thieves. And worse still, they don't even know it. It's so true. It's so true. It's sad, friends, to go to a local church that's been absolutely ransacked by the thieves of the opposing kingdom and people are still carrying on as though everything's okay when it's not. And so, let me bring to a conclusion tonight this series by just giving us two or three things regarding culture in the church and culture in arena church. Number one, it defines the presentation of the gospel. There's a lot of talk around in these days and there was a lot of talk last week in our conference with regard to missional or attractional church and the problem with this is that people run to a particular point of view and then won't listen to what anyone else has got to say. There's all sorts of different expressions of church today of course. There's liquid church, there's fluid church, there's concentric church, there's 24-7 church, there's fresh expressions church, there's messy church. Well, every church is messy. And I've got a verse for it. Proverbs 14.4, if there's no ox in, in, in the store, then the crib is clean. The fact of the matter is that when we reach out to people in these days, there's normally a mess. It's called sin. And sometimes that's fractured relationships or somebody's done something that they're not particularly pleased with or there's been things said against them. And God says, bring all that to me. And allow me to begin to deal with it all. And to shape you and to mold you into what I have intended you to be. But the problem at times is that people make a, almost a, a viewpoint of, of, of something and rail against something else. My take is this, friends, that if a church isn't missional, in other words, if a church comes to a place where it is not interested about new people coming to the church and finding Jesus and becoming Christians, it ceases to have the privilege to be called a church. Because God's given a commission to... You say, well, Phil, that seems pretty obvious. Surely every church wants to grow. Really. The reality is they don't. They don't. They get to a ceiling. They like knowing everybody. They like knowing everything about everybody. And if that's you, let's forget spirituality for a moment. The sociologists say that you are limiting the group to about 70. It's impossible for you to go beyond that ceiling if you want to know everybody and everything about everybody. And churches do not set out not to want new people to come, but the culture begins to shift. And they begin to say things like, that's my seat. Really? And they begin to say things like, those young people get on my nerves. When are they going to grow up? Well, they're trying. It's called coming from youth to maturity. They say, them kids running about, that daft mascot that comes in, why do we need that? You keep saying those things, and guess what? You don't have any young people in the church anymore. You don't have any kids coming to church. And you look around, and the youngest person in the church is about 60, and there's only one way that church is going to go, and it's death by a thousand meetings. So arena church is intentional in its culture of saying, we want new people to come. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes they'll sit where you normally like to sit. Sometimes kids will race around and make a mess on the carpet or put their hands on the wall when somebody's just painted it. We understand all the frustrations of that, but we're going to yield with a sanctified heart to say, we want people to keep coming in. Every week, we remind ourselves in the the team prayer meetings about being ready for new people to come in. This church, friends, is positioned in its culture to continue to receive new people into the church. We refuse to back down on that. And we continue to press into what God has got for us. So don't fall into the trap of trying to win the debate between attractional and missional. Every advancing church needs to be missional. But please, it needs something decent to bring people to. Otherwise, we fall into the stereotype of most people. Go across to Tesco on a Saturday morning and say, I say church, you say, and most of them will say boring. And it's a travesty that so many people think that church is boring. Where they got that from? And we have to book the trend and give them something worth coming to of light and life and fellowship and welcome and a relevant message. And say, God, we leave the rest to you. We're an outward-focused church. It's one of Christians' great gifts, and we thank God for it. Listen to this little story. There was a village with a large old house, and an elderly elderly lady lived there alone. And every night as darkness fell, she put a light on in the attic of the house. You see, 25 years before, her son had left at a moment's notice. And rather like the prodigal in the parable, She had never given up hope that one day he would come home. We all know the house well, somebody speaking of the village. And although the bulb must occasionally need replacing, none of us have ever seen that house without a light on. It is for her son. And I want you to think that when somebody comes early to open up the church... When somebody has to patiently wait for everybody to go, because as you know, in Arena Mansfield, we don't all go within five minutes of the service finishing. And I've seen the patient keyholder at times being incredibly patient as people have talked and talked and talked and had that last game of pool. When you do those things, when it's perishing in the middle of winter and the guys are on the car park, remember that every time we're doing it, We're saying the light's on. We're refusing for the light to go out. The light's welcome for those that need to return, for those that have strayed, for those that have become errant, for those that have become prodigal. Every time we do it, we're saying the light of Arena Church is on. Culture defines the presentation of the gospel. Briefly, culture defines who is planted. The psalmist says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And without hesitation, I believe the Bible teaches that being planted is inextricably linked to flourishing, finding a group of believers that we can be part of. And can I make the call again to every person here tonight and ask you to answer this question, am I planted. It's so vital. And thirdly, culture defines the purpose of the church. And our visional statement for 2015 is to go and grow and to love and serve our community. To stand out and shine. And we know that's not just determined by a Sunday service. Back into the office tomorrow, into the school classroom, into the hospital, into the audit office, into that place where you're a student doing the school run cleaning running a shop whatever it is all across this room managing a business taking responsibility for others we realize friends that light is shining in all those contexts and it's amazing it's absolutely amazing but of course when we are joined together in what we call arena church then it it draws together that light and it helps us to be that witness so what's it like to be around here? Well, let me sum up with five things bullet pointed. Number one, we want a great welcome, as we've already said. We want the light to always be on. And as I say, don't assume that if a church is not intentional about a welcome, that it will have a welcome. I still go to churches, visit on ministry. There's nobody on the door. There's nobody that says hello. There's nobody that says, great to see you. There's nobody that says, can I help? and I'm onto the front row of the church, and nothing's happened. I could be the guy that's listened to the fellow at work and says, will you come to our church this week? And nobody said hello, because they've assumed that somebody else is going to do it. But a great welcome. <clears throat> Why don't people welcome? well? Well, because of familiarity, because of comfort. But we want an expectancy and an extravagance in the right sense of the word of welcome in the house. And then great worship. The Bible says Jesus has called us to worship in spirit and in truth. And the band, in a slightly different expression of music tonight, have led us well to the heart of God, exalting God as we gather and then reflecting God as we go, living out our lives with our spiritual acts of worship. As um, somebody says it, A friend of mine who's got an engineering degree, you know, centripetal force draws to, centrifugal force pushes away. And that's a little bit of how the church works. We take this opportunity on a Sunday night to come together, to build up, to declare the good news, to refresh ourselves in his presence. Not to say, oh, that's it till next week, but to go out then into our worlds, to the people that only you could speak to and influence with a great life of worship. Thirdly, great word. The Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed. I'm not saying that the word preached every week is great, but I am saying that the preach is from a great book. And we really do do our best because part of the culture of Arena Church is that people that are experienced in ministry and people that are developing seek to prepare well to lay the word of God into people's hearts and, lives. and we believe, friends, that God's word continually changes us. We're not just talking about information, touching people's minds. We're not about impartation, something that grips our hearts, that changes us and shapes us forever. And of course, the great challenges of a shifting culture of the 21st century is how we sit, truth that endures forever within that. And by God's grace, we will. A great witness, as I've already referred to a light that shines out, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. May we continue to be that witness for the Lord. And fifthly, a great willingness. Jesus exemplified servanthood in John 13, and he says, blessed are you if you do the same. Our passion is that everyone in Arena Church would have an identifiable role in its ministry, not enforced or coerced, but from a willing heart ready to serve, outworking our individual gifts and talents, thieves and occupants. We ignore the former at our peril. And we want to say, friends, as a leadership, as an eldership at arena church, we will do everything we can to ensure that we're not burgled, that we're not ransacked, that we're not duped. We will do everything we can to ensure that the things that don't need to be in the house aren't in there. And we will do everything that we can to embrace all that God wants to do in these days. Remember when we started, we referred to Genesis 28 and the vision of Jacob. How awesome is this place, the gate of heaven. And we want the church of Jesus Christ in these days in Ilkeston, in Mansfield, And in whatever other expression God causes us to plant and sow into, to be an expression of an awesome God amongst an awesome people doing an awesome work. Sometimes it's very excitable in the way that God moves. And sometimes as we're reminded as we were led in prayer before the meeting, it's in a quiet way. But however God is working, God is at work. And we thank God, friends, for what he is doing in these days. So thieves, let's keep them right at the door. Occupants, well, may disciples be ever growing. May aspiration be ever flowing. May team and unity be engaging. May faith and passion be increasing. May mercy and generosity be deepening. Ask yourself the question again tonight. What's it like to be around here? And I hope that we'll find increasingly a group of people that would say, we don't want to be anywhere else. Let's pray. The guys are going to just come and bring us a club.